show broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you. Today, our featured artist is Mick Colossa. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Mick at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss this interview. Now, this is the voice of indie blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. And there's only two weeks left to vote in the Independent Blues Awards. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love. And some great new artists I just can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave. Tell me, what's the use in trying For something that I just can't see Feels like it's only this or dying And I keep on trying to believe I've got a good love, keeps me going Things have been looking up Always felt like I was broken My ship wasn't strong enough And I feel like I could scream I'm singing for my life There's something I gotta be Before the day I Never good at lying To anybody but myself Told myself it was bad timing Still I am the one who raised hell Well my mama said I I need a Felt like I was broken
this morning And sat on the side of the bed He said, I'm leaving you, baby And this is just what I said I said, I can't make you stay if you want to go But it's high time you should know
that I do
this song, let's see what it sounds like.
I'm burning up 
down on me Rain down on me yeah. I said just make me believe so Rain down on me moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
make you shout now, honey. Gonna make you shout. Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an Indie Blues double shot from our featured artist today, Mick Colossa. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. Grabbed an axe and chopped up the garden hose. Oh, my baby, she 
catechism jams But the programming gods, they had some other plans Politics, religion, folks who just can't agree Well, man, radio show ain't what it used to be out that way from his brand new release and we got Mick on the line right now. Hey Mick, how are you? Richard, if I was doing any better, there'd need to be three of me. <laughs> okay. <John did> great. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Now, you've been on the show many times before, but we mm-hmm. always like to give our fans this opportunity to really get to know who you are as an artist by your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us um, the story of Mick Colossa. Wow. Mick Colossa, the musician, or? <laughs> well, you can you can go as far back in, yeah. as, in as many branches as you want to roll. Sure. Well, you know, I've, you know, I've always been a music fan. I was raised in a, in a family that, that listened to music all the time. Uh, probably a seminal thing that occurred to me was I was in a record store actually I was in a an appliance store, furniture store because that's where you used to buy records um, when I was 14 and I bought two albums uh, Robert Johnson King of the Delta Blues and Hank Williams Greatest Hits <laughs> and uh, I was hooked the Robert Johnson album I played until I wore it out it was smooth, the grooves didn't exist anymore and <laughs> uh, and I, I just really got into blues. Uh, was able to find some radio stations that played blues on a regular basis, including I think it's WLAK out of out of Nashville. Had uh, John R. introducing me to that Junior Wells and so many other folks. A um, couple years later, Ann Arbor Blues Festival in Ann Arbor, Michigan. 
uh, I uh, snuck over there at 17 years of age and saw Muddy Waters and John Lee Hooker and Howlin' Wolf and a couple of different kings and Sippy Wallace and all kinds of people, and it was just, you know, heaven. So I've uh, been a blues fan and, and pretty much a musician since then. I started out playing drums, uh, moved to guitar, uh Tried to play blues in the late 60s, which was a tougher thing to do. We'd call ourselves a blues band. We ended up playing cream and things like that. Um, went into the Army, continued to play music. Um, met a woman there, a fellow GI. We got married and had 46 wonderful years together. Nice. Uh, and I, uh, we, you know, I, I just continued to play music, but also... Um, once we started a family, I realized that uh, music wasn't going to feed them. You know, I was playing in holiday and bars, interrupting conversations. And uh, I saw, I was out there with so many other musicians who were so much better than I, that I said, you know, if, if this is where John Hyatt is stuck doing these kinds of things, you know, I better find something else to do. So I went to college and ended up with a pretty good corporate career. I have a doctorate in economics. <laughs> Okay, and, which is one of the things that actually, while I was working in New Jersey, I was asked to come out to the University of Mississippi in, I think, 91 or 92, and do a guest lecture about the way pharmaceutical markets worked. Uh, they offered me a job. I said to my wife, who I had promised to never make her live in a state without mountains, <laughs> uh, I said, well, how would you like like it if I took an $80,000 cut in pay and we moved to Mississippi and she said if that's what you want to do let's go so uh, loaded up the family and, and moved to Mississippi and haven't looked back um, I got deeper into the blues because this is where the blues came from um but I was, you know, I, I played music occasionally, but was more of a blues fan until I fell into this crowd of of, uh, uh, of folks, musicians, Brandon Santini, Victor Wainwright, Jeff Jensen, who convinced me I needed to get back into it. And uh, man, did I. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, in, in addition to being um, an artist yourself, you also created your own record company. Tell me a little right. bit about that inception. Well, I, I, my, my late brother-in-law had a, a production company called Endless Blues, and he did. He would put on on shows out in uh, uh, in Washington State, and I got hooked up with him, and, and uh, he was my best friend, uh, and so we worked together to produce shows. We brought some pretty pretty cool things together, uh, and I decided that we needed to incorporate it. We incorporated it in Mississippi, and as we were getting the paperwork together, he passed away. So I kept it going. I knew I didn't want to just book shows, but I had this business, Endless Blues Productions. Uh, I had recorded and released a few albums and decided, well, I can do this under my own label and just call it Endless Blues. It would be a good way to honor Ted. Mm -hmm. So we developed the logo and uh, then it just kind of grew. I had I had done so many albums that I I 
thought I could help friends to avoid some of the mistakes that I'd made and, and to help them get their music out. So the whole point of Endless Blues Records is to help independent artists have their music heard. Um, I have focused mainly on people that who I'm familiar with, um, but as I get familiar with more people, uh, the roster grows a little bit. Okay, well, who's on uh, your roster now? Well, Dexter Allen, uh, who Dexter and I have uh, are going to be doing some shows together down in Florida this this fall. Uh, Dexter was Bobby Rush's lead guitar player for a number of years, and he's uh, multiple. Uh, he's won multiple awards as a as a blues artist. He's regular at the at the Chicago Blues Fest and. Uh, Heck, heck of an artist. He, he's on my most recent album, and, and what an honor to have him there. Uh, but Dexter, Chris Gill, who's an amazing guitarist in Mississippi, uh, Eric Hughes and the Eric Hughes Band here in Memphis, uh, Tennessee Redemption, um, Tully Bray, uh, Sister Lucille, uh, in layman terms, uh, the young kids who are now adults, uh, and uh, and I know I'm missing somebody, uh, and me. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about your new release. Um, when you were putting this together, what was your goal for this? Well, this album is my eleventh. And I have tried to uh, really express myself musically a, a little more, uh, a little more loosely than just getting stuck in twelve bar one four five blues. So the goal of this was to really stretch out, stay within the blues, the broad blues tent, but to bring in some other things. So this album has got some soul and. Uh, and soul blues, uh, numbers that are that are very jazz oriented blues. Uh, so I just wanted to show that yes, I'm just getting started. We're going to move uh, and really show people what free range blues means. Uh, so and and that's really the point of the album is to show that I'm more than just this guy with a gravelly voice that can scream out old blues. Okay. Now, let's talk about your process as a songwriter, because let's face it, no matter what you, what genre you're in or, or what you do, if you're putting out a release, it all centers around good songs. When oh, yeah. you sit down to begin that process to write, what what is your mechanism that allows you to kind of tap into the muse? Wow. You know, it's, uh, I am constantly... I don't think I'm looking for, I'm constantly presented with song ideas. And it might be that I hear a line, uh, or I, I have a thought and twist a line. And I tend to write those down. I've got, I've got a six-page living document. It's called Song Ideas. And um, so I, I will often reach into there and say, geez, what, what, what's going on? What have, I, what have I thought about and not done? Uh, sometimes a song will just happen. I mean, I, I have literally had the idea, sit down, 
and recite the song into my voice memo on my phone. Uh, actually did that with a song on my way to a recording session. It struck me. I sang it uh, into my phone as I was driving, and we got to the studio and recorded it. Um, I just, this week, I'm working on another album right now, all love songs, and I just this week recorded a song that I wrote nearly 50 years ago. Um, and it's, you know, it's gone through some changes over, over time, but it, it, it really varies. I usually start with the lyrics and then, uh, find the melody that, that fits or the, or the arrangement. But I have been known to start with a nice chord pattern and then work words around it. So I don't have a set way of doing it. And I certainly don't have a schedule. I know people that say, you know, from 10 o'clock to noon every day, I'm going to sit down and write songs. I, I don't do that. I've got such a backlog of songs because of 2020 sitting in my house with nothing to do but write songs. Um, but it's probably the, the, the driving force in all of it is that songwriting is a way for me to really think about things. Uh, being a an extrovert, I need to talk about something before I understand what my opinion is. Songwriting helps me to do that. I can work through problems by writing songs about them. Okay. Now, you had mentioned that you started with your with the lyric. Uh, and mm-hmm. I find that lyric and melody are like two different functions of the brain. You know, you have oh, they are. the structured yeah. elements of lyric, which is the story, the continuity, the, mm-hmm. the rhyme, the meter, all of those um, aspects. And then you have melody, which is a different function. Some songwriters like to work off of a groove. Others like the cadence of the lyric to kind of dictate where it should go. What is mm-hmm. kind of your go-to when you start hunting for the lyric? I mean, hunting for melody. Hunting for the melody? Yeah. Well, you know, once, once I've often got a, an idea of a melody as I'm writing the song, just simply because of the, 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 the cadence of the word structure will start to lead me somewhere. But, you know, as often as not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write the first verse. And, and as Paul McCartney said, you write the first verse and the song finishes itself. If you've got that going, the rest of it kind of fills in its own blanks. But once that's there, I'll, I, I am always within an arm's length of a guitar. And I will grab it and start playing and seeing what fits. And I may start with uh, some a known melody and then change it. Um or I might just try, you know, try to try to make something up as I go along. Something that does happen as the song matures, aspects of the melody will often change. Mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, this is uh, I, the song I just did, uh, just recorded. Um, I wrote the melody and the chord structure about fifty years ago. I wrote totally new words for it, uh, and, it, and, it and it tells a better story, but. Also, it was the same three chords over and over again. And so working with, with some folks, he said, well, wait a minute, you know, keep going, going D, C, G. Play an A minor instead of a D. It works. I can sing the same note, but it changes. So it doesn't change the melody, but it really changes the feel of the song. 
Right. And and I really love that. And something that, that has occurred to me over the years is the music, you know, both the melody, the instruments, and the arrangement, uh, they're not the sound of the song. They're the soundtrack of the song. And I need to use that to help tell the story. Uh, too, too often, especially in blues and blues rock, uh, the lyrics are something to give the guitar player a rest so he can come back for another 15-minute <laughs> solo. Right. And you can just say whatever gibberish you want. And, you know, in my opinion, those aren't songs. Those are, you know, I listen to some of these things and say, is, is there a point to this? Um, but but for me, because my songs do have to tell a story, um, for me, the music also has to enhance that in telling the story. Like I said, I think of it as the soundtrack, not the sound of the song. Okay. Now, uh, you had mentioned earlier about using your cell phone to capture those ideas and to kind of keep a running tally of, of ideas in, in your, you know, that you have available when you sit down the right. And a lot of songwriters have embraced technology as tools in their craft. Oh, yeah. When you sit down and begin to write, what are some of the tools that you have found indispensable to you as you write, you know, sit down to write songs? Well, I'm kind of old school, you know. I, you know, it, I, I will, rather than pen and paper, I, I was, uh, I, I will use, you know, Microsoft Word <laughs> and yeah. put things together when I, when I put them on paper because the, uh, uh, the sisters failed miserably uh, in in Holy Angels Catholic School of, of having me uh, have good penmanship. Um, <laughs> but so I, I'll take I'll write notes down and then I say, "What is that? I don't have any idea." What? Uh, so you know, it's really that that basic. I I don't have a home recording studio, so I don't you know I I have played with Garage Band, but it's just as easy for me to go voice memos. And then you know play it. Uh, I will do things like use a loop pedal because once I have the structure for it, then I can play around and see where else I can go with it. Uh, but other than that, it's it's you know it's going to be pretty old school. I I have chosen. I have a studio for rehearsing with bands, but I don't have any recording equipment other than you know GarageBand because I live within walking distance of three recording studios. And by the time I bought the equipment I would want for a recording studio, I could rent time in these other studios many times over. So, so that's the way I go. Okay. Um, well, you know, um, one of the things I think a lot of songwriters struggle with is that moment where you have to put the pen down. You know, uh, I've always said that a song is never really written. It's always rewritten. You're, oh, yeah. you're always working it, massaging it, getting it to where you want it to go. But you got to get to a point where you let it go. You give it to the band, you give it to the producers, absolutely, and allow them to kind of put their fingerprints on it. But you got to get to that point. What is your quantifier that you use to determine when a song is ready to move to that next phase? Well, some of it because I, you know, I will will start out with a lyric. I often have to go back and trim that. I've got way too many syllables for this line. So a lot of times it's just reworking that part of it so that it all fits. Um, you know, I 
I do collaborate with with uh, a, a lot of musicians, but you know Jeff Jensen and I are almost chained together musically in that regard. So that one of the first things I'll do is get stuff to Jeff and say, you know, where can we go with this? Um, he works in in uh, uh, producing a lot of my of my work, and you know we work together on it, but. Uh, um, that starts very, very early. So often, if it's stuff that's going to be bound for an album, Jeff's and other people's fingerprints are on it pretty, pretty early in the process, um, just to make sure it fits the right way. Um, one thing that does happen, though, and it and it's an interesting thing, and, and over time I've had to fight for it, whether it's Jeff or anybody. Uh, if I know the way I want my song to be the way I want it to sound, the way I want things featured. Uh, and people will get very creative musically with it. And I've had this happen in the past, working with folks, that I allowed somebody to take the song to a place where I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, of course, those are the songs that everybody loves. <laughs> but I said, that's, that's not what I wrote. That wasn't what I wanted. And we're going through that right now with a particular song that I think needs to be very sparse. And we put on some things that were beautiful musically. I said, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm going to save that for a different song. <laughs> <laughs> but, because it, it interferes with the message I'm trying to give it in this song. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a whole lot of give and take. And uh, uh I always grow from that experience. Right. Which is a wonderful thing. Here I am, you know, I just turned 35 for the second time. And, and, uh, and I'm still learning every day and I love it. Well, I'm catching up to you. I'm getting close to that <laughs> second 35. Um, yeah. Now, you know, going into the studio is always another art form and like you said you know things can change and you know songs can can veer off in all different directions mm-hmm. but there's there is always that process when you go into the studio that helps identify you as an artist when you mm-hmm. go into that environment what is your process that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for well you know the first thing that we generally do well i'll, I'll work for a few days with the band before we go into the studio I don't want to go in and, and spend a hundred dollars an hour trying to figure out what songs we're going to do. Right. Uh, so, so that's done, and the, and the musicians have already had their input into it. Our process really is: uh, we'll start, and I will sing a scratch track as the band lays down the basic of it. Now, oftentimes, the album we're working on now, there are fourteen songs, and eight of them. The final vocal is the first one I laid down that was supposed to be a scratch track. It, it just worked out, you know, when you know the song. Uh, but but that's really, really it, because uh, they're building the song around my delivery of it. And, and that way we keep it the way, you know, the way I want it as much as possible. But we, we generally will get just the basic tracks, rhythm section and a guitar then we'll build up from there rather than doing a big live session although we have done that uh, generally it's going to be to piece it together and see how things fit uh, 
We've got a song we just put together. It's Calypso, and there's far too much percussion on it. And so what we'll do in editing is rotate the percussion around so the different things come in at different times to help move the story along. Right. But uh, it's it's both in in the writing in in the, in the composing and in the recording. It's all what we'll call so- song craft. And I'm you know building it in a in a particular way, and it is a a craft as much as it is an art. Okay. Now, um, tell me a little bit about the lineup on this. Who's playing on it? Well, which album? I, yeah. The one that's out. The one that's out right now, which is called "I'm Just Getting Started." Um, the principal lineup is is uh, Dexter Allen on bass, uh, although he played lead guitar on a couple of songs. John Blackman on drums. Jeff Jensen uh, on guitar, and then me on guitar and vocals. Uh, have Rick Steff on keyboards. And then some guests. Eric Hughes has been on every one of my albums. And so Eric plays harmonica on a few songs. Brandon Santini plays harmonica on two songs on this as well. Um, And I have, uh, on one track, we brought in Chris Stevenson to play keyboards because he can get really funky and that's what we wanted. Uh, And then brought in some friends to do some background vocals. Um, I will be releasing... Oh, oh, I also have two songs on there that were Bill Rafino plays bass and Andrew McNeil, who used to be with Ghost Sound Blues Band, plays drums. Uh, Those are songs that uh, came up with later and added to it. I've got an album that will be coming out this month that's all acoustic, and that was recorded with a different rhythm section. Uh, Tom Leonardo, a an amazing jazz-oriented drummer, uh, Carl Kasperson on bass, totally upright, uh, uh, one gut string, one wire string. There wasn't a single instrument on this album that was plugged in. It was all totally acoustic. Nice. So Jeff Jackson and I on guitar, but also had Chris Gill do some guitar, uh, Brad Webb, who's a, a, an amazing guitarist here in town, uh, uh Doug McLeod came in and played on two of the songs, which was quite an honor, and it's good to have neighbors like that. I mm. uh, also have a, a couple other folks. Uh, uh, a guy by the name of Watermelon Slim came and sang a song and played some harmonica. Now, I know we Watermelon. Very, yeah. yeah. We did a very bluesy version of Woodstock. And then we took my song from a previous album, Wasted Youth, and cut it totally acoustic and a, a a dear friend, a national treasure by the name of Bobby Rush played harmonic on it. Nice. Okay. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's good, you know, what, what a blessing to have musicians like this around who want to play with you and are willing to do things like that. It's, it's pretty special. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> but uh, then the album I'm working on right now, which it might be out at the end of the year, is all love songs. That cut across a whole lot of different uh, genres and subgenres. All right. Well, now, um, 
Tell me, you know, in order to get this out there, you're working with Frank Rozak from Frank Rozak Promotions. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Well, Frank has worked on every one of my albums. Um, we've got a good relationship. Uh, he, he, uh, well, we respect each other for what we do. And, you know, I've, 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 know a lot of people in promotion there's some very very good ones and frank has just never let me down he's connected me one great thing is he also covers print media not just radio so we get out into some areas that are that are pretty great um but we've worked out a, a, a system that would just really work well together uh as you know frank is respected in the in the industry uh talking with DJs, you know, who get dozens, if not hundreds of CDs every week. If Frank's return address label is on the envelope, they're going to open it and check it out. Some others, if they don't know who it is, you know, the Delta Kings blues band from Elephant Breath, Nebraska, that might not ever get opened, you know, so those kinds of things help a lot. Frank is also really good uh, globally. Uh, so he has a lot of reach in in uh, you know outside the U.S. and that works very well. Oh yeah, and as you doubt. know, he's pretty he's pretty good at setting up interviews too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, he is. Now, uh, let's talk about the industry. Uh, you have <clears throat> the unique perspective in that not only are you an artist touring yada yada, but you're also a record company owner executive right um so you you have that perspective of, of looking at it at both sides of that uh, mm-hmm. the, the desk let's put it that way right and over the last 25 years the elephant in the room now is um the consumer has embraced streaming is nothing we're going to do about that it's too good oh, yeah. of a deal for less than the price of a cd you have access to over a hundred years of recorded music right the problem is is that the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product it's now a service it's not something to go out and purchase anymore it's a rentable item that's basically available on their phone 24 7 and the double edge of this is that if they hear about an artist they go on spotify they look for that artist if they find the artist they listen to what they they've done over the course of their career pick whatever songs they want for their soundtrack of their life and move on or if they don't find the artist they brand that artist as being irrelevant and just move on to the next thing that they're looking for um how has this shift in perception affected you not only as an artist but as someone who's you know running a record company mm-hmm. well let me add one other thing to that 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 got in the way and that was covid yeah. because when it shut down touring it basically took the money out of recording because uh, you know, if you're if you're Taylor Swift, you can make a lot of money on streaming. But in blues, there's very few people that are going to have the big, uh, you know, huge audiences to, to really make a difference uh, in in streaming. So you can't make your living that way uh, in blues. And without the 
we've lost so many venues, and although the, the festivals are coming back, uh, we don't, you know, we've lost venues that either shut down or have decided, well, we're just going to hire tribute bands or or whatever. You know, here, let's do karaoke, which is a Japanese word that means we used to hire bands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, but it was a live performances where CDs are sold. And with fewer of those available, we just don't sell CDs like we used to. Um, so that's changed a lot of things. Um, streaming, absolutely. You know, when, when I, uh, I had an album a few years ago that had one song that they really loved on Sirius XM and they were playing it several times a week and I would get my royalty statements in and 97% of the money came from that song getting played on Sirius. 99% Right. 99% of the entries were streaming where I got a tenth of a cent here and you know sometimes a really big payoff of 34 cents um, what this and, and here's something very important I just recently had somebody starting to work for me that really focuses on publishing and capturing royalties I also started work with uh, a group uh, called Amplified Distribution. Uh, you know, most most artists and, and small labels handle distribution through CD Baby. And frankly, CD Baby has just gotten to the point of letting everybody down. I moved to Amplified Distribution. I've got a song from an album I did years ago. It's about my wife's alcoholism. The song is called Baby's Got Another Lover. And I had seen videos where they used that song and then just had a you know a picture and different people with their right. their YouTube channels for using that. And we sat down and looked, and I said, "There's over a million views of these videos. Why aren't I getting paid for this?" Well, my new distribution company got a hold of me and said, "Yeah, we're going to look into this." And they found over three million views, and I just got the biggest check I've ever gotten. <laughs> And it was just for that. Right. Uh, so part of it is that if in this new world, you better make sure your publishing is in order and you're working with the people that can track this stuff down. Uh, my, uh, my sound exchange account was just updated by the lady I'm working with. And my check from that is seven times bigger than any previous check. Uh, and what happens, you know... Musicians are notoriously bad business people. <laughs> Tell me about that. I, I work with a guy who literally has five different BMI accounts. <laughs> okay. So if his stuff is getting played, they don't know who to... Who to pay. Who, 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 yeah, and so the stuff sits out there. And um, so what we're doing is working with some of these folks to say, okay, let's consolidate this. It's going to cost you a little money to do it, but but in the long run, this is where the money's going to come, you know, come from. So the, the, the key is the big, for me, the big change is uh, you've really got to be on top of this stuff. And, and before it wasn't that big a deal. Okay, so I'm not getting paid this 300 bucks, but I just sold 50 CDs at this festival. So <laughs> not a big deal. Well, you don't have those opportunities <laughs> like we used to. So being on top of this. 
and you know the world is unfair. The, the the guy who started Spotify is wealthier than Paul McCartney. That's just wrong. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> another thing. Another thing that's important. Back to the original point is that music is is seen as, uh, uh you know, if, if it's a, a service, not a product. More important, it's I, more and more people see music as something in the background. I I can't have music in the background. It, you know, maybe instrumental, but if there's a song, I have to listen to it. And I've got a lot of friends that way, that, that you just can't have it around you. Whereas a lot of folks just put on whatever, you know, uh, Alexa, play this, and, and then find something like it. Uh, an, another very important thing is that, you know, Spotify is huge. And the guys at the distribution company laid this out, and I hadn't thought about it. If Spotify goes under... All of its customers have nothing. There is, they are renting the music. It's in their phones, and if Spotify went belly up, all that's gone. And it's a, it's an interesting thing. I hadn't thought of it that way. Well, you know, I, I I tend to disagree with that because, you know, it started out. You know, you had Napster. Everyone thought, oh, nobody's going to be able to get rid of Napster. You know, it's just too big. And, you know, and then iTunes came around with downloads and, oh, Apple's way too big to be, you know, unseated from this. You know, we're going to have this forever. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Spotify and streaming and Pandora came around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And now there is this new streaming platform that or several actually that are basing themselves on the blockchain which is that technology that mm-hmm. makes cryptocurrency uh, a reality right and what this new streaming platform uh, like um uh, audius and emanate what they're doing is they're trying to decentralize the music industry in other words mm-hmm. no one company can control that streaming platform it's controlled by the fans and by the artists as well as the network so mm-hmm. it's it's not like spotify where a record company went into spotify they negotiated their own deal and then you know left the the crumbs for the independent artists who by the way makes up the bulk of the oh, yeah. content so now um with this new system they're claiming they're going to pay the artists up to 90 percent of the incoming revenue to the creators so it's it's a different <laughs> that's what we, that's what we need and and i think that that will eventually <laughs> displace spotify but the people who don't move to that if spotify goes under they're gonna have to start all over again because again there's no there's no uh you can't have an inventory of spotify so i think that the new streaming uh uh the 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 blockchain idea and that technology could really benefit us in the long run uh and, and i can see where uh um Spotify could be a big loser in this, and I, it wouldn't break my heart. <laughs> well, yeah, Apple I, Apple is interesting because you know iTunes and Apple Music are tied together. So I can take my demos, put them into my iTunes account, and they show up on my Apple Music account. Right. So I have stuff on my phone, and that's really handy for me. 
Well, you know, the funny thing about Apple is that when they started iTunes, they they really didn't care about selling music. They were selling iPods. You know, they needed something to fill up that iPod world, you know, and um, that's why iTunes came about is how can we give content to the people who buy our delivery device? Oh, yeah. But now, oh, yeah. you know, of course, nobody's buying iPods anymore. And so that's <laughs> why iTunes has become less relevant because nobody wants to store all that on their phones. You know, that's just too much data, you know? Oh, yeah. But although I, I do, I get more because I, I, I need to have that on my phone. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's interesting that... that I have these huge fan bases in Brazil and in the Middle East uh, because of because of uh, SoundCloud and, and things like that. It's just it, it's pretty amazing when I look at at uh, the thousands of listeners to my songs uh, that are in places that uh, God, I wish I could go, and so that might open up opportunities at some point. Because, like I said, Rio de Janeiro. Thousands of people listen to my music regularly there. Okay. So knowing that, and what's nice about these, and it's, you know, the old days when all you had was Spintron or whatever to figure out what's going on, I do get a report from Spotify. I do get a report from Apple that tells me who, you know, some basic demographics of my listeners and, and you know, geography, where they are, which songs. Um, it's, that's really handy to have that kind of feedback, and I know a lot of musicians that don't bother to look at that stuff. But, but for me, it was thrilling to see the uptake of this new album. I just hope it turns into money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't we all? Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw those names.
can't feel right That stage, man, I feel like I've been abused. And I'm looking at my future. <laughs> it just don't seem so bright. Or tell me why they gotta waste, waste youth on the young. They don't know how good they got it, man, until it's already gone. They're having their fun. But damn, I'd like to have me just a little more time Just a little more time Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
said my mojo must have entered the witness protection plan.
Tell me you love 
more time now Gonna take a little more time If you wanna be with me I said a whole lot whole lot of love Better take a whole lot of love If you wanna be with me Sometimes you understand me Sometimes you let me down Play me just a little louder
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. Now let's try it like this.
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. like this. Are you with us? Are you with us? Are you ready to free your man? Say free your man! Free your man! Cause your aims are please, it's time to free your mind. That's right. That's right. And when you finish playing the diplomat and you're done trying to figure out where it's at, it's time to free your mind. That's right. 
mother's child with zero. was recorded earlier so the producer and cast didn't have to walk home in the dark.
trouble, baby, trouble on my mind Been losing sleep, peaceful slumber I can't find When you left me in five weeks and a day Thought I'd feel much better, but these blues are here to stay Oh, baby, baby, what you done to me I'm sinking down and these blues won't let me be
my men. I try to be careful, but I never can win. What seems like a winner turns into a dud. Romance is out the window, now I'm gonna run. Mud in his face for a bad trip. Mud in his face, was I beaten with a whip? Mud in his face, I think I must have slipped. Up somehow. Regard for nobody else. He thinks it's so easy. Was he looking for the signs? He better be careful, or he's gonna find mud in his face for a back trip. Mud in his face was I beaten with a whip? Mud in his face, I think I must have slipped. All that crying won't bring it all back. 
that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on the show tonight. Add them to your playlist and you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadu. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Things left on with my friend that gone lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends not lying here, think I'm dead. Drink so long, don't drink for the old damn time. Don't keep back in the sea. Nowhere, no, 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 no,